hello everybody. Welcome back to another Tech Doctor podcast. Here we are again, Allison, David, and myself to talk about the Apple event, peak performance, that took place just a few hours ago as we record this. And Allison, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. And may I say, it's been forever since we last podcasted, so it's good to, <laughs> good to see you again. Not as long as it as once was, has it? No. <laughs> no. And how are you doing, David? How's the flooding going? Uh, the flooding's going very badly in other parts of Sydney. It's skirting around us on the central coast, which is north of Sydney. We're just very wet. So, no, but I'm getting tired of, I think it's been raining now for about, geez, it feels like about almost two and a half weeks now. Mm. Wow, that is a long time. I hope mm. it... Hope it stops soon. That's just kind of crazy that all that's going on. Indeed, yep. All right, well, let's uh, jump into the event. It was another virtual event from Apple, which I've grown to like those quite well. They have lovely audio description, and they're so organized, and they move right along, and so good. another good uh, quality event, in my opinion, from Apple. Uh, they started out talking a bit about Apple TV Plus and all the success they've had with original content and movies and uh, talked about some new movies that are going to be coming with lots of stars. So I guess Apple TV Plus is doing well. And uh, I guess uh, you, you, you guys both enjoy Apple TV Plus content. Any comment on, on anything about Apple TV? I love it. I love it. My, I don't even remember when my free trial ended because it's built into my Apple premier bundle of everything mm. that I, that I pay for, but I would, I would pay for it by itself. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. How about I, you, David? I, I'm, I mean, I, I subscribe to it cause I, I do the whole Apple one bundle, whatever it's called, you know, iCloud and Apple TV and the fitness stuff and everything else. But I, I hardly ever use the Apple TV, plus bundle at all to do with the TV because my children watch the stuff most of the time. Um, I sort of, every now and again, I, I sort of think, oh, well, i better go and check it out and see how it's going. But I, I, I think because my family watches a lot of like Netflix-type stuff and Foxtel here in Australia and so on and what I tend to call good old-fashioned soap opera-type stuff and reality programs, I get to a stage where I can't stand television. So it's like... <laughs> Give me a good old-fashioned audio book off Audible any day, and I'll quite happily go and sit in the corner of the room in the blue chair and uh, veg out for a while. But, yeah, just even just listening. I mean, I, I know us guys who are blind, we can just listen, stroke, watch TV anywhere we like without a screen going. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, audio description sort of turns the, turns the TV shows into almost like a radio drama anyway. But, um, yeah, I've just noticed probably the last year or two, I've been indulging myself with television as such, less and less. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, um, uh, my wife is a huge movie, TV fan, and I, I will sit down and watch things with her from time to time. But I'm like you. it's I have so many other things that I want to do that are more appealing to me than watching TV. And I, I have enjoyed We did watch uh, the the new version of West Side Story the other night and that was enjoyable but yeah I'm I'm not not too big on it either even though it's not Apple TV Plus's fault it's just kind of more where I'm at 
No, they no. I, 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 I sort of groaned yesterday because apparently here in Australia, the next season of, what's it called, Outlander or something, came out and I went, oh, God, not another series. I mean, how many more time zones can this woman jump in and out of? <laughs> I mean, I know it's following the, the books apparently and I, I don't think the, they haven't finished doing all the books yet, but... It's like it's like a never-ending story. It's like, it, is this it, thing ever going to finish? Is. <laughs> it is, but we the books love, are wonderful. Robert and I love Outlander. Yeah, we the do. books are wonderful, are they? Oh, I probably Robert should read the books. Yeah, yeah, because the the actual the TV series, I feel like just gritting my teeth all the time. But the um, maybe it's just maybe I should just go back and listen to the books because I made the mistake of listening. Because sometimes I think I'm going to read the book first. Then I'll make sense of the TV show, but I think this time around I did the TV show first, a couple of first mm, episodes, yeah. and I went, yeah, no, nah, don't like the actors, can't stand it. So that was the end of it. <laughs> well, the books are very, very long. It's the only book I've ever read that if she if she talks about something that happens in one day, it'll take you the entire day to read about that day. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what put me off Game of Thrones as well. I just thought, oh, it's just too lengthy. So yeah. Oh, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting distracted now. <laughs> you you are, Dr. Woodbridge. You are taking us down these outlander rabbit holes. We must get back on task. Thank you. Baseball. They're going to have Friday night baseball on Apple TV, which is going to be interesting because baseball is currently on strike. Right. So I don't know how that's gonna <laughs> work out. But anyway, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be very excited when it finally airs. I've been getting a look. TJ, my husband, is into sports, so sometimes I watch a little bit of it with him, and it is it is fun. And we've actually gone to a couple of of live baseball games, um, so I'll probably take advantage of this if baseball comes back. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. Rob, because on Make Break Weekly they called baseball the old person's game. That, you know, more people don't go and watch baseball anymore. It's sort of lost its appeal. Most people want fast-moving games like football and soccer and that sort of stuff. They they sort of put baseball in, in the same thing as um, cricket. Very slow-moving. Nobody really cares. <laughs> so it's glad to see, Alison, that you're still involved in baseball. Cause I, the way like, make, I mean, I like football too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I placed fifth in our fantasy football league this past year, but – um, but I do like baseball. Yeah, it was I funny. I boycott football some... because of all the injuries. I think it's mm. too violent yeah. and too too uh, people too many people get sucked into doing things that they regret later on in their lives, things like that. Mm. But uh, I, I enjoy baseball to some degree. I, I am a New York Yankees fan. Anyway, it's coming to Apple TV if they start playing again, and maybe maybe we will enjoy that to some degree. Mm. Nonetheless. We will move on to the iPhone. We have two new colors for iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. So if you are tired of your old color, you can get yourself a new one of a different color. Any excitement about that? You going to get a couple of those, Allison? No, they all look the same to me. <laughs> oh man! All right. So was because one of the colors was green, wasn't it? Something, something, something. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, green. I, I can't remember the exact name, but it sounded very sort of nature-based green. Um, but yeah, I, but the, the fact is now I believe that all the iPhones now are with the A15 Bionic, and if you don't mind sort of using the same term, which some people do, all iPhones have basically got the M1 chip in them now anyway. So, you know, A15 Bionic equals the M1 chip, according to some people. So um, that's really, really fantastic. And the the specs between 
an iPhone SE 2022 and uh, iPhone 13. I mean, what you're really probably missing out on is, I guess we deal with the 13, not the Pro, is the fact that you're missing out on some of the camera stuff, you're missing out on LiDAR. But as a basic phone, I would have no problems updating, you know, my children's phones to an iPhone SE. That's if they didn't mind a 4.7-inch screen, which they do. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a great update. And the fact that Apple's still holding on to the home button and touch ID sort of says to me that the market's still there for some people that just like sort of the old retro type phone look because it apparently looks like an older iPhone because of the rounded corners and some people just prefer touch ID and still a you know even though it's a haptic home button prefer the home button so I think it's great that they've updated it and the whole line's now updated and of course it doesn't matter now moving ahead everything's going to run uh, you know, iOS 16 that's going to be coming out this year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love I love the iPhone SE. I don't have it anymore because I found for me that the battery wasn't very good on the 2020. Mm. It's apparently better on the 2022. So that's mm. good. But I love the form factor. I love the home button. I love yep. Touch ID. I don't hate Face ID. I don't. It's fine. Mm. I use it. But I always have preferred Touch ID. I won't be... I guess it would be side grading because you're kind of moving sideways at this point, no matter what yeah. you get, not upgrading or downgrading. But um, but I think it's great for those who who want that that it's there. Yeah, and then look, I, I've I've already I've already started my piggy bank for my wife's phone for this year for the iPhone 14. So oh. when it comes out, she'll be getting that, and then I'll be getting the iPhone 15 <laughs> next year. So <laughs> if I want to do any podcasting, I'll have to actually. Um, bribe her to actually let, let me have her phone for an hour or so so I can unless do a podcast on it. So just in case any listeners didn't pick up on it, we kind of jumped in quick. Uh, th- there is a new iPhone SE with the A15 uh, chip and, and all the goodies that are in mm. the iPhone 13, except for the ones that David mentioned aren't there and, and the size and all that and no, no, no face ID as, as has been said, but I do think there's a market for that. I was talking to one person earlier today who said, if they keep the uh, touch ID and I will upgrade from, I will upgrade from my older iPhone SE to the new one. So, you know, I, they, they, Apple usually knows what they're doing when they bring out a phone, they usually do pretty well at selling it. So, Mm. I guess for people who want that, it's it's a good thing that it's here. I don't know much else to say about it, but it's it's going to be out uh, very soon. I think you can order it as soon as uh, this coming Friday, and maybe get it in a week or so. Am I remembering that right or wrong? I'm not sure, but yeah, anyway. no, that's you correct. Are right. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, pre pre order today, and then it's shipping. Yeah, on the eighteenth of 18th, March, yeah. or as we go to air or something. So yeah, so it's one week after. I mean, the other thing I like about Touch ID, unlike Face ID, is that if you've got your phone in your pocket, particularly if you're using GPS or other apps, you can actually stick your finger in your, in your hand in your pocket and just press the home button. Well, of course, you can't do that with Face ID. You've actually got to physically take the phone out of your pocket and look at it or use the, the keypad to undo your phone. So I think there's great advantages, particularly for us blind people to actually have Touch ID because you don't need to look at the screen. You don't need to unlock it with your face. You can just you know go straight forward and, and, do, it, and do it that way with just having it in your pocket. So that's one advantage I love about the, um, the iPhone SC. And, of course, my 
good old iPhone 8 that I've still got. So yeah, between the iPhone 8 and the iPhone SE now, the current one, even the 2020 version, they're, they're both, well, they're all of them are actually really good phones. They are, you know, it's getting, I'm sorry, go ahead, Alison. We also got to mention the price, didn't we? What's the price in US dollars? Because it's probably a million dollars in Australia. I believe is the starting price. Yeah, which is 749 in Australia. So, and that's for the 64 gig version. I believe you can get a 128 as well, I think. I think so. The yeah. only other thing that I would mention is that there was something I saw on Twitter about how it has the slightly slower 5G. It doesn't have the, I don't know if it's called MM Wave or whatever it's called, but that's also not available in every market. So I don't mm. really know that that matters. Yep. In fact, I think it's not available in most markets. Right. It's only available in in certain places where they are going to be doing things like uh, putting it, putting it, making it available in large stadiums where there are huge crowds of people and things like Mm -hmm. that. So it's a, it's a limited thing anyway, but it is true. Apparently from what you just said that, that uh, this SE doesn't have that. I don't imagine that's going to be a big problem for most people. No, and look here in Australia too. I mean, we've got, I mean, we've got five G, whatever type of five G it is. But where I am in particular, um, I have a half enough time getting four G rather than five G. If I go to work, I can get five G because I'm in the central business district. But as soon as I come back to my house, I'm back on four G. So as long as I can get access to my data in reality in a reasonable amount of time, I I really don't care about four G versus five G. I mean, it's it's nice, but most of the time, I'm just getting small amounts of data. I mean, I'm using Twitter, I'm using messages, I'm using notes, um, occasional web browsing type stuff. I'm not really streaming, you know, large amounts of videos or podcasts. I mean, they're always downloaded to my phone anyway. So every time I hear any phone company talk about 5G, it's like, yeah, I guess it's nice, but I haven't seen any like specific 5G devices or implementation that absolutely says... You were going to get absolutely fantastic maximum effort out of this device if you're using 5G. If you're not using 5G, then you might as well not, not bother. So that's where I think 5G is going to come into its own when it says this is what you can do with 5G. But at the moment, particularly here in Australia, it just seems to be no advantage at the moment, 4G versus 5G, really. I think so far it's a marketing thing mm. it, to trying to convince everyone what you want is 5G, but nobody quite knows why or exactly how it'll help them. So I think it's a marketing strategy more than it is an actual technology yep. that's widespread and readily mm. f- available for you to use. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, so I think that's probably pretty much all I have to say about the new phone. It, it is intriguing to me, though, that you know now all of the phones are so good that I, I suspect – People are going to have to look a little harder to try to figure out which phone is really right for me. You got to pay a little more attention to to some of the smaller mm. nuances of the size of the phone, the, the, the differences in features, even though they're not that 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 enormous. Um, it's going to be maybe a little harder to make that decision. Although some people are going to love that iPhone SE. Well, particularly between the iPhone 13 Mini. And the iPhone SE 2022. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the camera the camera stands out. Um, that's definitely one. And the other one that I keep reminding people about is that keep remembering that the LiDAR stuff is still only in the pro versions of the iPhone. So if you still want to use LiDAR type stuff or you use an app like um, 
day, day sonar, which users has to have a dual camera. Um, I don't know whether the iPhone SE 2022 has even got a dual camera yet. So that could be something else to consider. Maybe it does have a dual camera now, but that's always the things to consider is about what feature the camera has and what you want, what apps you want to use with the camera, specifically like things like Ira and Be My Eyes and so on. Yeah, but the challenge I think, you know, for for that Apple may come up against or Apple certainly Apple buyers may come up against is most people don't even know exactly what questions to ask to differentiate mm-hmm. between the two different kinds of cameras mm. or I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see how that works out, but it sounds like Apple uh, has decided they have a market for this S C and so I guess we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Did, did it have a did, did it have I did I did dare I say it, does it have a headphone jack? It does not. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no headphone check. Oh, dear. No, never mind. Sorry, right, we're going to have to get you, uh, uh, Dr. Woodbridge, you've, you've forgotten. We're, we're now in 2022. <laughs> we, we... Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, iPad I Air. iPad Air. We are oh. moving forward. iPad right. Air. Have you ordered a couple of those? I mean, they, they look pretty nice to me. Well, the thing about the iPad Air is that it's very similar now to the iPad Pro yeah. because now it has the M1 chip in it um, and it seems to do practically everything that the iPad Pro does. So, again, there's a, a, full, a few small differences. Like you said, Robert, about the, the choosing an iPhone now, you're really going to have to ask you know the right questions about, well, do I get a... Uh, whatever it is, a 10.9-inch iPad Air or do I get a 12.9-inch iPad Pro? Um, because the way this they were talking about the specs in the iPad Air, it effectively does everything a, a student, a college or a university student would even want out of an iPad. So, um, yeah, I just think it's one of those things that I think, again, all the product lines, in a way, like the iPhone line, the iPad line, they're getting very close in spec. So you almost have to get somebody to say, can you read this comparison sheet and tell me in simple English what all this means? Yeah, and I would, you know, be worried that most people will go for the cheaper one. Hmm. Um, if they're that similar. Is it really worth that extra several hundred dollars for that for that iPad Pro? And it will be for the people who are pros, and maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to mm-hmm. really steer people into getting what they really need. Um, I always thought Apple was trying to steer people into buying the the, the expensive one. Maybe I'm just wrong about that. What do you think, Allison? <laughs> well, that's a that's a slightly slightly uh, well possibly accurate. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding about that. Every time I've I've been in an Apple store, they've always tried to help me figure out what was the right one for me. It's really the truth. Yeah, I, I must say they they are uniquely good at that. I would say that that other companies would sometimes try to steer you towards getting more than you would need to make the buck. But in all seriousness, Apple is very very good at um I have heard stories from friends who work in Apple stores where they have actually told somebody, look, you, you don't need this much computer for the things that you tell me you're doing. Get You should maybe get this one instead because it's not just about the sale for them. It's about somebody having a really great customer experience. So I actually really appreciate that. 
Yeah, they really want people to be happy with what they got. And mm. they, they fully they back that up with their very generous return policy. Mm-hmm. No, so, and, yeah, that, what, that, what, what, oh, go ahead, David. Sorry, one thing I liked about the iPad Air was the fact that it comes with a smart keyboard. And that's the only thing I don't like about the iPad Mini is that there's no, or as far as I know, there's no smart keyboard for the iPad Mini yet. You've got to use an external, you know, magic keyboard or something with it. So that's the only thing I don't like about my current, the new iPad Mini, is that I don't have a smart case that includes a keyboard. So if I had this gen that came to me and said, well, look, I want a, a whole iPad with a case with the keyboard included, um, I would just go straight to the iPad Air. I mean, it just seems, like I said, to fit everybody's needs. And the other thing that I'm pointing out is it's also, of course, got um, center stage. So if you're doing a, a video presentation, particularly at a university level, then you're always going to be in focus and you've got the great camera and everything else in there. So, yeah, there's just no excuse not to get like it. I'd say it's it's not even a mid-range machine. I'd say it's a mid to high-range machine because the iPad Pro is a high machine, but it's almost like, well, what do you start defining as a pro-type person now? I mean, you're a professional person. Is the pro for somebody that only does really extreme video editing? Because that sounds like the only thing you'd want an iPad Pro these days, and it's probably the same for the, the Macs that we're going to talk about in a minute, that you're talking about really high-end processing type stuff. So... For me, the iPad minis, I think it's just going to be my go-to iPad moving forward, I think. A lot of people like it, and it's, you know, it's interesting that it is, if you don't, if you're, uh, if you're blind and you don't necessarily need a big screen, uh, the iPad mini will fit in your suit pocket. So it might be a good choice. Mm. Exactly. Am I right that, that uh, I think I wrote down that the iPad Air is going to only be available in 64 gig and 256 uh, yes. configurations. Correct. So, Correct. yeah. I mean, you got. Mm. I guess that's a, there's a big gap there, but I guess I guess uh, that you know that's okay. I mean, it's better than a better than a 32 or a 16. So, I guess 64 yeah, is an okay although, place to start. Although, what I normally say to people is because you can't update the storage in an iPhone or an iPad, if you can afford it, like the iPhone SE, always go for the biggest one because I can guarantee if you fill it up, you're going to have to start juggling stuff around and 256 gigabytes sounds a lot, but when you start you know, downloading and watching video stuff and getting lots of audible books like I've got, um, if you take home videos or product videos like I do at work, then it doesn't take much to actually fill the damn thing up. So, um, some you know, when I recommend an iPad, I'd say, yes, you can get a, you know, this one, yes, you can get a 64 gig, but if I were you, because it's got no SD slot or any other memory card slot, and if you can afford it, always go for the, the bigger storage. So, you know, 64 sounds a lot, but in reality, it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, Robert, it's better than 32 and a heck of a lot better than 16 or 8 or 4 in the beginning with the iPhone 3GS. But yeah, I just think these days, I just wish Apple would start it. Maybe I, I could live with 128, but 64 to me now is just getting a little bit iffy as well. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So that's the new iPad Air. And I think you're, you guys are right. It's a very nice iPad. Mm. It's really worth taking a look at it if you want an iPad. Yep. Good. Absolutely. Good price. 
So let's move on to the Mac. And this is all pretty interesting and exciting, but it was very technical today with tons and tons of specs on what's new in in the Mac arena. So I'm not sure exactly how we're going to talk about this, but there is a, a new uh, computer now from Apple that is going to be a... I hesitate to say, you know, a, a souped-up Mac Mini, but it's sort of a Mac Mini-type computer, same about the same size, except twice the height of the Mac Mini. And But it's a small form factor that will easily fit on your desk and has peripherals to plug things into. Um, it's called the Mac Studio, and I think it, it to me, it is a very nice option for anybody who wants a desktop computer that fits that niche between the 24-inch iMac and the Mac Pro I think they've mm. they've really they've really hit on a, a nice option here with the Mac Studio and it comes in a couple different um uh, iterations one of them being a very high-end one with 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 a new chip, and uh, one of them being a, a more moderately priced kind of take the place of, if you will, maybe the you know the, the one of the iMacs, although you will have to have a display with it. So, what do you guys think about the new uh, the, the new Mac Studio? I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I like the idea of that type of form factor, especially for a blind person or if you don't need a display, but you do need a little bit more of that power for whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I could definitely see it being interesting. It's it's not for me, but I could see it being a great machine for a lot of people. Yeah, it's again, it's one of these machines that, you know, it's really designed for a high-end, particularly the Ultra, because we've got so the 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 Mac Studio comes in two versions: the Max (MAX) and then the Ultra. So the Ultra's really two die-cast M1 CPUs running in. Well, they didn't even say tandem; they just basically talk to each other directly through the, the through the um, the way they're socketed into the motherboard. So, to me, the interesting thing about the both of them is that. Again, unless you're doing lots of high-end number crunching, so massive spreadsheets, massive development work, rendering video, all that type of stuff, the power of both the the Max and the Ultra, I think for any everyday computer use, in some ways you're sort of wasting your money. I mean, to me, I mean, I do lots of podcasting. I do basic video stuff. Um, I do web browsing, and my M1 MacBook Air is quite happy to do all that sort of stuff. And I know, listening to um, MacBreak Weekly after the event, um, I think one of the major uh, computer magazines or blogs was just saying that one of their recommendations for a home office these days is the M1 MacBook Air. So, um, but like you said, Robert, the the Max MAX is basically an updated version, as far as I'm concerned, of the M1 Mac Mini. I love the fact that it's got the old cheese grater stuff back in, so you've got air holes in the casing to allow venting. And what it does, it pulls air from the bottom 
and then sort of does a bit of an L shape and then sends it out the back of the machine to cool it down. Apparently two-thirds of the internal volume is taken up by fans um, and that's to keep the, the system cool. Uh, you've got lots of ports to plug things into. Um, and funnily enough, I think one thing they said in MakeBright Wheatley was that they put the SD card slot on the front of the machine because they thought, geez, rather than people having to reach back around, uh, particularly if you've got these things <laughs> stacked, you can actually get access to the actual um, SD card slot. And one of the funny things, this is what I made the joke earlier on about the headphone jack, they made this huge song and dance about the fact that you could plug in, I don't know what this is called, Robert, but something about impedance headphones or high-end audio headphones so that when you plugged in your headset, you'd get this beautiful sound coming out of the 3.5 headphone jack. And I thought, my God, guys, you spent all this time talking up the technical details of the the Mac itself, and you talk about the goddamn headphone jack that in reality you don't like anyway. Um, so that was that was quite impressive. But the the difference between um, the Max and the, the Ultra just seemed to be, rather than having a combination of Thunderbolt ports and USB-C ports on the Max, they're all Thunderbolt ports on the, um, the Ultra, which means you can plug in more high-end monitors uh, 4K TVs, that sort of stuff. Um, I like the fact that they've still got USB-A ports on it. So if you've still got your old favourite good old thumb drive, there's no problem plugging it into the machine. Um, so that sounded really good. And getting back to the monitor business, now if these behave the same way as my M1 Mac Mini does, when you initially set these machines up, as far as I found with my one, you do need a monitor plugged in. Otherwise, the machine will not start up and let you install it. Once you've installed the operating system, you can get rid of the, the monitor. But I had to actually plug my Mac Mini when I set it up into my TV via the HDMI connection, and then it was fine. So it's not a, a headless running Mac as such. You've got to have at least a screen for the initial setup. And I've got a funny feeling that's going to be the same with the, the Macs and the Ultra, that you will need a screen initially to set the machine up, which I guess from a side of point of view makes sense. How can you set up a machine if you can't quite see the screen? Because uh, we're not going to expect any, any side of person to learn how to use voiceover. Uh, so that that was interesting. And the which we'll get into the monitor, but the, the monitors that we're also talking about sounded really cool. Um, this machine's lightning quick. I mean, the amount of storage on the video card, the GPU, the amount of storage in memory, the size and the speed of the solid-state drive inside it. I mean, this machine just screams along, and the fact that they just said um, that we're not done with the Mac line yet, we've still got the Mac Pro to go. If this machine runs this fast, then goodness knows how fast the Mac, the Mac Pro is going to run when it comes out. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's like, where do you go from here? What, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they going to do with the Mac Pro? It is interesting to me. I think that these are two rather different uh, machines, even though you know they they have the same uh, casing. But I mean the 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 Max version uh, yeah. is in U.S. starts at I believe nineteen ninety five, and the the Ultra version starts I believe at thirty nine ninety five. So. Yeah. Um, you know, these That's are true. these these two different machines look the same on the outside, 
but they're quite different on the inside, at least when it comes to why I could see, you know, a, a, an ordinary user coming more, more, more likely to buy the, the max version, but the ultra version seems like it's really designed for very specific, as you said, high end, uh, multi core processing kinds of activities. So it, it is interesting that it's kind of positioned itself right in here, close around the price range of of the MacBook Pro, right? So I mean, um, you, you got to figure yeah. out whether you want a desktop machine or uh, another laptop. They they both have similar. Uh, specs in in some ways. No, I agree. Yeah, and look, the fact that with the the Mac Mini, I mean, I've got mine sitting on a shelf, the shelf that's above the other shelf above my desk. It's nowhere near my um, standing desk. So because I use a Bluetooth keyboard and and the headset, um, I can just put the Mac Mini wherever Bluetooth reaches. And that's the thing about the the Macs; it'll it'll stack exactly the same way as the the Mac Mini and um, you know, I haven't double checked the prices in Australia, but again, if somebody said to me, "Well, should I buy a Mac Mini or should I buy a a Max?" I'd probably say, "Well, look, if you want to get the most out of Monterey and operating systems and have a machine that's going to last you for a good solid, I don't know, five, six, seven years, then you're right, Robert. I'd almost recommend the Max because it is not too expensive. Um, I mean, the sort of the entry level." Uh, IMAX started about sort of eighteen hundred dollars, so it's not going to be that much more expensive in some ways to to get a Mac. So yeah, so to to me, my my the, the Max is my Mac Mini. <laughs> the Ultra one is really the the high end sort of like I said above the iMac Pro, whatever it was called. Uh, I must admit, when Apple gets into these sort of the the M1 MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro. Um, the Mac Mini, the iMacs. I when I started getting into the iMac line, I start getting a bit disorientated about what model goes with what. So it's almost again the same with the iPhones and the iPads. You've really got to know what you want, mm-hmm. what computing tasks you want to do to try and work out what's the best machine for yourself these days. I agree with that, and I think that's something we're going to likely be talking more about. You know, I, I mean, it, it's such a different landscape with the Mac than it was two years ago. It's just amazing to me that I bought the MacBook Air last year, the M1 MacBook Air, which is the cheapest Mac you could buy at the time. And I love that thing. I do everything with it. I'm not really needing a, a, a more faster or more higher end Mac to do all the things that I do. And I think you essentially were saying the same thing about your MacBook Air, David, it's just interesting to to see how we've jumped so far, so fast to to greater heights of performance yeah. with this M1 chip. It's amazing. No, I agree. Yeah, it was interesting because I posted on Twitter this morning uh, as recording today. I said, I just wonder if you took our third party screen readers out of the equation, how Microsoft with Narrator would compare with Voiceover on the Macs because. Um, my Surface Pro that I've only had for th- three years now is starting to struggle with Narrator and Windows already. Um, you know, with the new natural sounding voice, it's, it actually falls over every now and again. Um, 
Whereas, you know, I'm still using my MacBook Air as a backup browsing on in the lounge room from 2013. So what's that machine now? Seven, nine years old, and it's still running perfectly with voiceover. So um, I just think the, the sky's going to be the limit because Apple's got control over the whole system, the hardware and the software. I really don't know where they're going to end up. I mean, you almost say, well, it's almost like computer power it's going to be not limited by almost anything. So, you know, when they start getting to, um, you know, mainframe type speeds and uh, multitasking and everything else, it's going to be really cool. So, yeah, I'm just waiting to see where things are going to go. And, of course, we've got all that integration stuff between, you know, the Apple Watch, the iPhone, um, the Mac, the iPad Air, or sorry, the iPad Air, the iPad and so on. And it was interesting too, Robert, that the monitor that they're going to be selling with the uh, – the studios is actually got iOS built into it. Yes, and I mean, while our audience is primarily probably not that needful of or interested in displays for the for the typical Mac user, it's a it's a different ball game now uh, because there is this new studio display which they announced today, which, as you said, has iOS built right into it so that it can use its own processing power to handle all kinds of peripherals and and audio mm. and and other things cameras and i think it would be probably an outstanding setup for doing almost anything that you mm. would want to do you know w- with with um, a, a multitasking situations that involve multimedia and things like that but it it this this essentially you know doubles the price uh, yeah. of, of the, the new uh, Mac Studio when you add the mm. $1,500 or so display in there. And so, yep. I mean, it, it does make it a little bit of a different uh, situation when people are trying to decide what they want if they need a display. Of course, you don't have to buy Apple's fancy new display, but I hear so many podcasters talk about how <laughs> there is such a need for a really great display. Uh, and now, as of today, they have one, but what will mm. it, you know, what will people decide to do? It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Although, if I was doing, like, if I was doing video presentations, multimedia presentations, um, and I wanted a very good display with a good set of microarrays, which they're the monitor has in it uh, six speakers built into the actual monitor. You've got the option of having that nanotechnology, which reduces the, the the refraction of the light hitting the screen, so you can do really good presentations. You've got a high-resolution screen. I, I mean, I think from that point of view, it sounds like a really good screen for doing presentations. So, you know, if you particularly if you're a low vision person and you're into into development and presenting and that sort of stuff, then it's going to look even nicer in a way if you have both the the studio itself, the machine, plus the monitor. And very weirdly, um, they they also had brought out the new Magic Keyboard and the the mouse, so that you can color contrast your machine with the monitor with your keyboard, trackpad, and or Magic Mouse. So I thought that was a little bit of a, a you know attention to detail, but that monitor sounded good. The, the, and the other thing to do with the monitor, of course, is that because it it's a monitor, you're still going to buy a stand 
or the mount to put it on a wall as well. So not only do you have to buy the monitor, but you've also got to buy the, the stand as well. So that's just going to add more price to it. Well, it depends on your, what your needs are, right? I mean, an old retired mm. guy like me doesn't need that stuff. But people who are doing lots of presentations, I believe there's a market for, for what they brought out today. And so mm. I think we'll see it selling like hotcakes, but not to, not to us. Right. No, no. I mean, I, I, there's no way that I'd go out and buy lots of money on, on a monitor. I mean, my son who does, I mean, he does music. He does music development, so he doesn't even need a high resolution screen for that sort of stuff. He was doing, if he was doing video video editing, um, I'd say, yeah, that's fantastic, mate. You're just finishing your high school certificate here in Australia. When you start a job, go for it. Buy your own monitor, but Dad won't be buying one for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad. I know. Dad had his limits. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, that it was an interesting presentation, especially when I really think back on it in the things that we've talked about, how the Apple lineup has changed so much and how it's exciting stuff. I got excited hearing about it. And it's going to be more difficult, as we've already said, so many times for people probably to figure out which choices to make. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this keeps unfolding from here. Yeah, let's do any final comments that either of you all have about today's event. I think I've pretty much said what I wanted to say about it. I think for me, the most important thing that I'm kind of keeping an eye on is how these chips continue to, to evolve. Um, I think that that, it's going to really continue to set Apple apart and cause other manufacturers to set up and take notice and try to innovate in their own right, which is always good. So Yeah, maybe I, Intel can catch up. Maybe. <laughs> but I kind of doubt yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I kind of well, doubt the, it. Well, the, yeah, I mean, the problem with Intel, of course, I mean, they haven't got control over the whole system. I mean, they've got to make sure that everything runs generally across the board. I mean, that's what's back in the day. We always said it was IBM compatible stuff because that's what, I mean, it's not really IBM compatible, it's Intel compatibility. Um, the other thing that I wanted to make note of too was I noticed today that, I mean, I know these people use teleprompters, but it was a little bit more obvious today that they were actually using a teleprompter because you could actually tell that they didn't run as smoothly when they were talking as they've done in the past. So, I don't know if they just overdid the scripting a little bit, but you could really tell because the amount of times when, and I guess for, for Women's Day, um, they and, and I think it was great that they had all the engineers that were female came on yes. to talk about their stuff. So that was absolutely brilliant. But the fact that how many times they used the word like um, super, amazing, brilliant, outstanding, blah, blah, blah. I thought that is so highly scripted and it just, I don't know, sometimes when they do stuff, it sounds really creative, but this time it sounded a little bit stilted that you could almost have voiceover reading out what they were saying <laughs> rather than the human being saying it. So I thought that was a bit of a letdown a little bit. And of course, again, with all Apple's stuff, um, it was all lovely audio described. And when it was funny, Robert, because I noticed they did this last year when they're they're about to announce something, they say it before the presenter says it on the screen. So they said, you know, the the um, the uh, 
the Mac Studio, and then the then the actual presenter says, and now I'm going to talk about the Mac Studio, and it's like, well, we we already know that already, mate. <laughs> yeah, for once we knew something ahead of time. We did, I know. So that was actually quite fun. So, um, and look, other people have been speculating the fact that they didn't have all the sort of the the drone stuff flying around the campus, and so there is some speculation now that they're sort of starting to wind down these presentations back back to more of a sort of an in-house in the type of like room type seminar type stuff what they used to have before you know you you come into the upper one campus sit in the hall steve jobs theater and watch so so there's some sort of speculation that people are going well maybe they're ramping this down a bit so that when they you know say do wwdc in june and they do the iphone uh, 14 in September that they're probably going to go back to the, the straight presentation in the theatre rather than making it online so I guess we'll see yeah. what happens Yeah, we'll see what happens and, and I think to your point about it seeming a bit too stilted, I, I suspect in some ways that's one of the problems with these with these recorded presentations, you're not doing it in front of an audience, so there's not mm. much much uh, much to play off of. There's not much spontaneity mm-hmm. there, and and maybe that's getting a little bit old, right? I mean, may, maybe we're starting to notice that a bit more. Maybe we're fatigued, mm. you know. Maybe we're ready for something live, right? I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Yeah, and it's just that the the, the style of speech that all the presenters were using is the exact same words that Tim Cook uses all the time. Uh, so it was almost like it was the same speech pattern, writing, whatever you want to call it, from everybody. So I almost just felt like I was listening to multiple clones of the one person. Um, so you're right, because you can really feed back off the audience. And yes, you're on a script. But of course, when you've got an audience in front of you, if there's the occasional laughter or cheers or whatever else it might be, at least you can come off script for a second or two and say something funny and then get back on script again. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, that's kind of it. That's what happened today. And you now can go out and make some choices, hard ones that they may be, and figure out which iPhone you really want, which iPad, which Mac, on and on and on. But it's all there. And it's going to be available very soon. And so we will be keeping up with how this all unfolds. And I'm sure talking more about it in future podcasts. But I think that's going to do it for this one because we kind of told you what they did today. So I'll just say for now, I am Robert, one of the tech doctors. So long for now. And this is Allison, one of the tech doctors, saying bye, everyone. Every time you say that, Robert, this is David speaking, I always say, I always think you should be saying things like, so long and thanks for all the fish.